You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. And we're back! Woo! It's been a while, actually, since the last <laughs> recording. I think the last one we did was the one talking about the best popular film category. Oh, yeah. And instead... Woo! I like I like to think that we killed it with with our episode about it. I think it's easy to claim that when literally everybody was, like, stabbing it with the sharpest knives they could. Just like, stop it! Kill it! Let it burn! It's like saying that one person was responsible for the death of Julius Caesar. It was a, it was a community effort. <laughs> At two, one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Or what was the movie, uh, The Sea Inside, where he has, like, everyone do a little bit of his giant suicide plan so no one can be convicted of the crime? I haven't seen that movie yet. Thank you. It's based on a true story. <laughs> okay. You can't spoil history. Okay. I do own that movie, though. So. Anyway. <laughs> I own a lot of movies I haven't seen yet, so. <laughs> Please, my girlfriend, come up here so we can watch movies together. Just saying. But anyways. Um, hey, everybody. We want to talk about the Oscar race right now because... It's starting to really show up in earnest, and hey, a couple of the big, you know, campaign, I mean, the big contenders are coming out this this month, so we got Stars Born this weekend, we got First Man, is it next weekend? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're finally actually going to get to see some of these movies, and I know- We got Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween coming oh, out Oh, Best Picture, by far. Um, oh, man. Getting, Jack Black, Best Supporting Actor. Getting real hyped for that. It's it's a toss-up between that and House with a Clock in its Walls for- <laughs> For for Jack Black, like the, he they, he might be so loved for both films that he might end up cannibalizing his chances. Or maybe he'll get a double nomination like Jamie Fox. You Honestly, know, Collateral think, and Ray the same year. Yeah, I mean this really is Jack Black's Collateral and Ray. And how long am I going to let this bit go on for? <laughs> Just long enough. So. <laughs> Yeah, hey, so, yeah, basically we're just going to cover some news stories about the race, some of our thoughts and impressions about what's been going on lately, and then what we really want to do is nail down some Big 8 predictions. So, for people unfamiliar with the idea, the Big 8 are the categories of Best Picture, Best Director, all the four acting nominees, and then the writing nominees, so... Yeah, it's uh, just a general rundown, just so, I mean, also because I'm sure some of you have never heard of these movies. I haven't heard about a couple of these movies that are, like, big on the prediction list. Like, there's one in particular I want to discuss, and, like, I know this movie came out, I know it got great reviews, I didn't think people would start talking about it, so... Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be a fun one. So, <laughs> let's start out with a few major news stories. So, one of the more recent ones that I saw, um, that you brought up too recently, that Mike Lee's movie Peterloo, which was getting very... It was getting campaigned hard. It was showing off at a bunch of film festivals. And then just the other day, they decided, you know what? We're going to push it back to April. Yeah. So it got a lot of surprisingly mixed reviews for Mike Lee out of the Toronto premiere, I believe. Uh, I think it premiered at Cannes, too, didn't it? No, it didn't premiere because he was very upset about it. Oh, right. He, he threw like a big hissy fit because Cannes usually takes his films, but they didn't premiere Peterloo, and he was very, very upset about it. I'm sure it was some yeah. politics with, like, streaming, you know, films or, or whatever. Yeah, because it is an Amazon Studios. But Amazon Studios does theatrical releases. 
but they may not do it in France because uh, that's always been the can rule. <laughs> yeah, especially Netflix was not allowed. Like, no, like they had some big films they just said no to at Cannes. Oh yeah, they just don't like Netflix. I don't know. There's, st- I, I don't think they're it. cool with Amazon, but they really don't like Netflix. <laughs> Amazon, you you ship all our packages, so you're cool. <laughs> yeah, you ship all of our packages, and you don't pay your workers worth a damn. You're allowed. To, you're allowed in Cannes. Uh, having no, uh, I have a friend who at least still works or has worked at Amazon for the last few years, so I can tell you from experience what the working conditions are like. Because yeah. they, they uh, sorry, a little deviation, they make it, they, it's a cool thing where she's the robot wrangler on their warehouse where she actually gets to coordinate all the different machines that ship out the packages for them. So it's pretty darn awesome. Oh, but, well, well yes. tell her I said thank you for getting the tick back on the air because that was fun. <laughs> I don't think she has that much influence, but yes, I will tell her. <laughs> in my head, Amazon, the biggest company in the world, is just one dude in a basement just like, yeah, let's make the tick. <laughs> just putting little things in boxes. And it's like, oh, I'm Jeff Bezos. <laughs> it's too early. I'm sorry. Oh, it <laughs> Man, but yeah, so, I mean, I'm not, I, I shouldn't say I'm surprised at this because I'm not. It, it sounds like this is... Sorry. It's a hard film to market for this kind yeah. of movie. It's a, about a very small incident in England. It's a Mike Lee film. I mean, even the trailers, it looked really pretty. It looked really well made. It's just, yeah, it's gotten very mixed response so far. And I'm sure they want to play it safe. Because do they have any other major films competing for our Oscars this year? Beautiful Boy. Right, okay. Which, I, I that one may be up for like a couple nominations, but I doubt for anything big. And then they also have... Um, uh, Cold War. Uh, they're distributing that. So. Yeah, which we'll we'll talk about all this weird stuff going on with Best Picture and foreign films there. But some people also seem to believe that Cold War is going to get a Best Picture nomination, and no, I, you know, again, it's never that has not happened before. Right. So, I mean, and plus that guy, because um, he did Ida, was the film. Which for people who don't know, he was nominated and won Best Foreign Language Film a few years back, and got a cinematography nomination. Yeah. So as he should have. That is a Ida's a beautiful movie. Yeah, and that's the thing where it's like, that shows that it has some crossover appeal where it's not just, oh, it's a foreign film, it just gets the one award. It's like, no, it's good enough to get a major ca- uh, competitive category. That's rare, you know. Yes, it's it's extremely, extremely rare. And But just with the lineup we have this year, I, I kind of segueing into the conversation about stuff like Cold War and then, I guess, going from there into Roma, I don't think... I, I don't think we should be putting this much emphasis on foreign films in the best picture race because as much as I would like to live in a world where foreign language films are treated with the same reverence and universality as English language films, we've kind of done to them what we did, what or we started with them, and then we later did with like animated films where they don't get the same amount of love because they're not seen as the same type of film. They're seen as a very different thing. I mean, having said that, we've seen some advances in animated films getting Best Picture nominations. Like, the last one was, what, Toy Story 3, mm-hmm. I think? So it's been a while. Yeah. But there was a point when we, you know, when Beauty and the Beast was the only Best Picture nominee, and then we got, like, two or three back-to-back with each other. We, yeah, on. we got Up and Toy Story 3 back-to-back. Right, and- right, right. But that's the thing. The threshold for being a live-action English language Best Picture nominee is Warhorse and the <laughs> or Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close, or any of those other movies that you go, "Why was this nominated for the highest award in this field?" But for a foreign language film or an animated film or just something else, quote unquote, out of the ordinary, 
you got to go so, – the bar is raised so much higher. Well, I mean, if, if Amore can get a Best Picture nomination, and that's about as – you know, like, that's a freaking Michael Hanukkah film. Like, you know, he seems like the most uncommercially friendly director you can think of, probably with his most commercially friendly work, to be fair. Yeah, it, but it's it's still a super tough movie to watch. But, oh, yeah. But I think with Hanukkah, it's one of those things where he is, he was so consistently, like, a festival darling and almost an international darling, but everything he made was so weird and so... Dark and amoral. Dark, and... yeah, am- amoral and difficult to watch a lot of the times. So, yeah, Funny Games is not as funny as you think it is. No, Funny Games is is not a, is not a funny is not a funny movie. It's a <laughs> it's a very it's a very disturbing one, as a matter of fact. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I should not have put that on for my for my weekly comedy night. That was a mistake. Oh, did <laughs> it was called Funny Games, Justin? What did you expect me to think it was about? I expect you to read the synopsis or know who made it. I don't want to spoil myself on the experience. <laughs> I'm sure I was just waiting. like, so, Davey, when did we start laughing in this movie? <laughs> yeah. But anyway. What were we talking about? Foreign films. <laughs> uh, that's right. So, yeah, I mean, the big one that you wanted to mention about that is because Roma, you know, which is one of the best-reviewed movies of the year so far. Oh, yeah. It's unclear how definitive it's going to be a Best Picture nominee because, well, let's look at it. It's a foreign-language film, you know, first of all. It's being submitted as Mexico's uh, entry for the foreign language category, so that can be easily like pegged into like, oh, well, we just nominated for that. And then th- uh, three, it's a Netflix release, and it's in black and white, and it's in black and white. And there it's we go, not, four, and it's not in black and white because it's an homage to silent films. Um, well, I mean, that's like saying that Nebraska is not a homage to silent films. Oh, I forgot about Nebraska. Scratch that point. I love that uh, movie. <laughs> I, I do like the movie. Um, and also, it has no. Uh, no, like, actors with a name. Oh, yeah, no, it's mostly unknowns, which sometimes that can work to the advantage of a film where they don't need, you know, big actors to sell for a Best Picture nomination kind of thing. Yeah, but unless the performances are incredible to the point where it puts these people on the map, I was thinking of Quavenzini Wallace's performance from Beasts of the Southern Wild. Well, it's not a foreign film, but... I, I know, but it, it's still that kind of thing where it's that smaller, weirder movie, and it's this complete unknown, just kind of bursting onto the scene to the point where her performance kind of led that movie to getting that nomination, because the biggest pool of the people that vote on these things is the actors. So, like, you need you need those actors. <laughs> and we know for a fact people like Jennifer Lawrence don't watch these movies. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a that's a big problem. I feel. I mean, it's weird because they keep trying to promote how much that we're changing and making more diverse our nomination and voting pools kind of thing. But at the same time, if you're bringing in people who don't watch the movies, which is the biggest complaint we've had for all years with the Oscars, yeah. then it doesn't matter how diverse you make it. If they're not going to watch the movies, it doesn't matter if they're old, young, black, white, gay, straight, whatever it is. You know. I mean, I think peop- more p- because you have more people. Coming in, I think you have more people watching movies, watching the screeners now than ever, but it's still, we're still getting to the point where people watch the movies to watch them and to form their own opinions. Now you have sites like Gold Derby and then even people constantly talking about it that kind of give people a list of, oh, you really just have to watch these 20. Like we need to move past the, oh, there are these movies that are for Oscars and then everything else is just, ah, they're 
the screeners become coasters. Yeah, which, I mean, to be fair, that's kind of how it is sometimes anyway. So oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, those movies that become coasters, they become coasters for a reason. You know? Right. The, the mountain between us is not going to get an Oscar nomination. I'm <laughs> Sorry, they, I, they I love the director, but... They campaigned so hard for the mountain between us. That was depressing. It's not even a bad movie. It's just one of those that's like, there's no way it's going to get an Oscar nomination no. for anything. So. No, but then again, that's what we all said about Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, and look what happened there. Well, there's some weird stuff with the Oscars where they'll have, like, this fanatical love for, like, one film that no one else would think they'd like, you know? Like, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close was that film where it's like, yeah, Max von Sydow, that was kind of a given because everyone really liked him in that movie, but then Best Picture? <laughs> I... I have a prediction for what movie is going to be that for this year, oh and boy. I can't wait to get to that. Okay, we'll save that for when we get there. Yeah. But um, Well, because I know there's one film that came out of nowhere, which I called it, technically, if you listen to Old Breakfast Pubs, I called it that this movie would be a big contender. Actually, no, even in my the last, one of the last Eye on the Prizes, I called it. But everyone doubted me because then that trailer came out, and now everyone's actually seen the movie, and they're like... Oh, well, maybe it is that good. But anyways, we'll, we'll get there, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so foreign language films, you know, it, it's, a, it's a smattering of films you've never heard of, for the most part. Right. And, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit saying that, because some of these sound like cool ideas. Even, um, oh gosh, one of the new movies coming out for Germany is a new film from the director of The Lies of Others, uh, yeah. which, gosh, I love this guy's name, Florian Henkel von Donnerschmark. <laughs> that is the most German name you can think of. Yeah. <laughs> but um, his movie, Never Look Away, which I don't know much about, but just the fact it's like, oh, if this guy's making a new movie, and Lies of Others was great, so I really, really want to see what he's doing. Wait, the the Hungary movie, Sunset, is that the guy who did Son of Saul? Yes, it is. Laszlo Nimitz. Oh, my lord. Yeah, so I can already see there's some people who are yeah. probably going to be the big contenders in this category, because, yeah, you got Laszlo Nimitz. Is it Nimitz? Is that how you pronounce that? Or? I, I don't know. I just... I don't know, like, my brain was like, oh, that's Son of Saul guy, I'm really excited. I had no idea this movie was even a thing. Yeah, no, it premiered at, um, it was either Venice or Tiff, uh, one of the two. It was one of the big, one of the films there. Um, but yeah, so then Germany's big film, uh, and then of course, like we said, um, uh, Roma is being committed for Mexico's nomination, so I'm sure that will probably be an easy get, an easy get for that film. Oh, that, that movie's gonna win Best best Foreign Language Film. Probably. Um, I would, I would put money on it. Um, the only two that could potentially... Go up against it, I think, would be Burning or Shoplifters. Which Burning or is maybe not, Cold War. Yeah, so Burning is for South Korea, and then Shoplifters is Japan, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, Cold War is for Poland, which that is uh, the director of Ida, as we mentioned, Powell Paulikowski, I believe that's how you say it. Yeah. Wait, whoo, I actually got it right. <laughs> um, and then most of these ones, like, I'm looking at names to see if I recognize any of them, and so far, most of these are pretty outside of my radar. Yeah. But... You know, that's it's cool. Like, I mean, I know there's a lot of foreign film directors I don't know. You know, and I, it's not a. I apologize to any of you foreign films directors who are listening. I'm sure you all listen to this a lot. <laughs> oh, I I like to think that our audience is exclusively <laughs> like well-regarded foreign film directors. So uh, maybe mi- that's why our numbers are so low. But... <laughs> Mr. Van uh, Dorfersmackel, uh, the tourist, <laughs> the tourist was very bad, and you should feel bad. And I'm glad you're going back to work. In Germany, where you can make other wonderful films. And you know what? It seems like when German directors go back to their home country, they make their best work. Like, even um, uh, The Captain, which we reviewed yeah. on Screener Squad, that was directed by the guy who did uh, R.I.P.D. and the Divergent sequels. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, man, dude, just stick to German films. You are yeah. much better at making German films than American films. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of the state of foreign language films. I know most of you guys out there, it's like, why are we putting so much attention? Because, well... There's some great foreign language films out there. Sometimes you are really blown away and surprised by what foreign films can produce. And I know they're not audience-friendly. They're very 
you know, foreign films, the more I've talked about it in my classes lately for my PhD, uh, you know, kind of self self-gloating a little bit but oh i'm just and i'm gonna be you're gonna have to refer to me as dr podcaster dr zarian please thank you very dr. much <laughs> but um yeah it's just, it's like I, they go from a very different mentality where they're not blockbuster focused mm-hmm. and they're very much on like how would you say they're they're much more experimental they're much more abstract but sometimes you can be pleasantly surprised you go like oh i never thought i would like a german language film but here we are you know or yeah. You know, it's like saying, like, Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth is a great, great movie. It doesn't matter if it's being made in Mexico or Spain or wherever kind of thing. Yeah. It's just a great, engaging film that I feel like even non-snobby film fans could enjoy that film, too. Yeah. If, if they can handle dark subject matter. I, I think Pan's Labyrinth is actually a perfect, a perfect like, reference point for this. Because that's usually the movie that I bring up when I try and get people into the idea of watching a film with subtitles. Because a lot of these movies, while they initially would seem daunting... They're not audience-friendly in the sense that they're not in English, but they're usually much more accessible and universal than a lot of the much more sub- like specific and, at times, strange stuff that you've got going in America. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. Like, they're not trying so hard to be like, look at me, I, I love art, and art is amazing, and art yeah. is subjective to the perspective of conscience, and, and, and uh, you know. There's, an, there's a, a lot of genuineness to a lot of these foreign films, and I think that's what why it's important to talk about them. Sure, I mean, having said that, I've seen some very pretentious foreign films. Oh, I've but... seen I've seen a lot of pretentious everything's. <laughs> yeah, so I think we talked a lot about foreign films. I'm yeah. really excited to see where the major contenders come out from this field. Like, it's still a little early because most of these films no one's ever seen or heard about. Yeah, but. I'm sure we're starting to see a few. Like we said, you know, Roma's definitely for sure. Uh, Cold War things for sure. Yeah, I I would put money on Burning and Shoplifters. Yeah, Burning does seem like like I think there's about like seven or eight definite contenders just based on director name alone. Yeah. Like you know again like you know Lazo Nemesis film and yeah. um, you know yeah and then uh, the, the the you know the lives of other directors films. Yeah. Uh, Florian Hendrik von Donnerschmack. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love that name. It's so great. Yeah. Um. But anyways, and then uh, is there any other major news stories that we kind of overlooked? Like, I mean, other than, yes, popular film category is dead. Which, for sure. thank the Lord. Um, there is something that I wanted to talk about because, and I know that you like this movie more than I did, even though I really enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot of weird uh, category stuff going on with oh, yeah. Ben Foster and Thomas McKenzie for Leave No Trace. So this is always an issue every year at the Oscars because, you know, it's hard to campaign people when there's no definitive, like, there's no rule that says you have to be a supporting actor if you're in this much of the film like obviously you can tell it's like okay if this guy is only in this much of the movie they're more likely going to be supporting actor than lead actor but then even then those rules change because anthony hopkins is not in silence of the lambs that long and what category did he win for he won for lead even though he was in it for like 15 minutes exactly i mean because jodie foster is definitely the lead character of that movie and she deserved to be lead actress in that contender but it's like anthony hopkins he was in it shorter than some other supporting actor nominees that year, yeah. even. <laughs> you know, I guess it's just, again, it's, it's just a problem with category fraud, like you said. It, it, you know, freaking Villa Davis, supporting actress, she's the lead actor in that movie next to Denzel. Mm-hmm. But they know because, polit- politically speaking, supporting actress is good enough to, you know, if you have a big name and you don't have a lot of competition against you, you can easily steamroll the other supporting actors nominees. In Which that case. it's interesting because kind of the opposite is happening here, specifically with uh, with Thomas and McKenzie's performance because it's because she doesn't have a name. Because she doesn't have a name and she's a child. And yeah. I, I brought up Quibbs and A. Wallace. Yeah, I said it right earlier. Um, but I, I brought her up earlier because that's one of the few examples of 
them campaigning really hard for a child actor in a lead role and it actually working. Well, in that one, there's no contention that she's the lead character because there's yeah. no other big-name actors to compete against her, I think. That's you fair. Know? Yeah, I mean, which that doesn't make it right or wrong per se, but no. it is a point where yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, what, uh, what's his name, Dwight Henry as the supporting actor... He's very clearly a supporting actor in that film. Yeah. He's not in that film nearly as much as Quinn's and A. Wallace. Right. And he's not nearly a big a name as, like, Ben Foster in, in yeah. Mango Trace. But that is the problem. Where it's like, Thomas and McKenzie is a lead actor in that film. She's yes. in it for just as much time, if not slightly more than Ben Foster, uh, if yeah. you think about it. But then, yeah, trying to campaign her as a supporting actress, I'm just like, that's not fair. I don't think so. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, you guys have hopefully heard my review. If you haven't, shame on you. But <laughs> Leave No Trace is amazing. I, yeah. And I know you weren't as crazy about it as I was. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the movie. I just, it didn't, like, knock my socks off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I did say the same thing in my review where I'm like, it's just shy of being, like, great, great. It's yeah. very, very good. But I, you know what, when I saw it on Blu-ray the other day, I'm like, oh, hell no, leave no trace. You're coming home with me. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's a... That's a bummer, you know, because, I mean, again, it speaks to the fact of how much does star power influence Oscar nominations? All of the way. All the The entire thing. Everything about it. You have to really do something amazing to have an Oscar win or an Oscar nomination and have no name or star credit to you. And you have to fall in the right place in the right time. Yeah, what could be like, what was the last big, like, out-of-nowhere Oscar nomination or win that you can think of? The, I'm trying to think, the, the last... Like crazy ones, it was 2012 with Wallace and with Emmanuel Riva for a more in the same year. Well, Emmanuel Riva has been in you know French films forever, so that's a little that's harder. Fair. I mean, it's her first Oscar nomination, but you know yeah. she's pro- she's won a few César awards. I want to say, did she or m- maybe? But she she's been um, around in French film for for yeah. years before that. Yeah, but no, that's a good point because in America. Did you know who Emmanuel Riva was before that film? Nope. Exactly. And she's now the oldest, and, you know, sadly she has passed on. Yeah. But, you know, she was the oldest Oscar nominee yeah. uh, for a while, at least. So, yeah. She's still the oldest uh, Best Actress nominee in history. I know that. Yeah. I mean, the only people who are older and who actually won also is um, James Ivory and then Agnes Varda last year. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to think, like, actors last year. Like, was there anybody who stood out and just said... I've never heard of this person before, but they were amazing in that film. Uh, there's, I'm trying to think, what's, how do I pronounce her name? Uh, Myrol Strep? <laughs> never heard of her before. Who, who is that person? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, no. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking, I'm looking at last year's nominees. I'm like, nope, everyone here is an established name. Yeah, it's Except all... for, you know what, Dana Kaluuya, I would say, is probably the only guy who was like, you knew who he was, but you didn't know who he was until this film came out. Yeah, out. I don't know. Maybe it's just because Get Out came out in February of that year and then had so much time to build up steam that by the time he got the nomination, it more of just went, okay, Oscars, you did the right thing this time. Like, good for you. Sure, sure. But I mean, like, before that, what? Like, he's the dude from Black Mirror. That's about yeah. it, right? So, yeah. And he's the dude from Johnny English Reborn, <laughs> which is a franchise that I enjoy. I'm going to have to talk to Chris about you reviewing the new <laughs> It's just going to be me in a room by myself with a microphone that's not plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's more or less what we've got to say about yeah. it. I mean, it's just a big problem with category fraud, like you said. There's so many instances where that happened just because, you know, it's, again, what are they the best chance of winning? They look at the competitors each year and they go, okay, who's got the best buzz? Who's, um... Who's riding the waves off of some rise in their career? Who's looking at the comeback, you know, kind of thing? Yeah. It's it's all a political game. And that's part of the reason why the Oscars, as much as I love them, they are flawed. Because it's oh, pol- yeah. it is politics. The fact that we can, 
I, you can have a podcast that I am lucky enough to guest on. Sure. The, the fact that you can have a podcast where we can look in the past and look at the patterns and really see where people's opinions are going to lie as opposed to just saying this is the thing that is the best and most agreed upon. Like <laughs> This that, movie I saw is the best because I saw it. Well, well yeah. yeah, but also like the fact that we can look at things and chart it out and moneyball it, that is... <laughs> That is an inherent flaw in it. It's what makes it so much fun and so entertaining, but to moneyball criticism is not a good thing. I like that's a verb now. We moneyball this. Oh, yeah. No, that's <laughs> definitely what we're doing. <laughs> no, but it's true. It's true. I mean, that's really, you know, people don't realize that is really how the game is played. You know, right. I've been following the Oscars ever since 2004 when I started to really seriously get into this. And, yeah, it is really that much of a game. You yeah. just have to follow... What's the trends? What are, what are, you know, who is on top? Who is on bottom? What is going on? Like, you know, the spikes up and down. Like, even, you know, there's some years where it's like, any other year, this actor would have won. Oh, yeah. But it's because this film came out and it ruined their chances because of this or that or that, you know? Michael Fassbender and Steve Jobs, a.k.a. the best, best actor performance of that year. I would tend to agree. I mean, I liked Leo enough in that film. Oh, that, Leo's great in But it, I but... did think Michael Fassbender was the better actor that year. Yeah. And, which is funny for an actor who looks nothing like the character he's playing. Yeah. But... <laughs> Um, I mean, he was great. He Steve, was... Steve Jobs was great, and you guys... That movie bombed. That's yeah. so, such a bummer. That movie bombed, and that movie was really, really good. In, like, the top three best movies Danny Boyle has ever made, and it bombed. I still have not seen enough Danny Boyle to say that for sure, but I'm, you, it's, it's one of the better ones I saw of his. Uh, you should watch A Life Less Ordinary, because no one likes that movie except for me. I didn't even know that was him. Oh. It's real good. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, uh, going from there then, I mean, are there other ma major news stories that we should talk about for this? Or I do not believe so. I think we touched on the main stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, best popular film category, just because like saying it, it's dead. It's it is, dead. It is dead, dead, dead. And I love I love that it's dead. I know, I do too. I mean, and I, again, you know, like I said, maybe campaign for categories people can actually quantify. Like say, oh, I don't know, best stunt coordination yeah. I mean, but then Mission Impossible would win every year. But. Well, yeah, which, don't get me wrong, that would be unfortunate for people that do other movies, but also, like, come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. When you look at the, like, you know what, the the, the Halo jump that they did in the last yeah. movie, you can't say that this movie doesn't have some of the best stunt work. Or even um that last action sequence in the helicopters, just like, yeah. It's insane. It's insane, and it shouldn't be real, and I love that it's real. Uh, oh, but it would be it would be either Mission Impossible or one of the raid films every single year. Oh yeah, like freaking um, what's that film that they're coming out this year? Um, that just the night will the night come for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I can't wait. I Chris has been you know just seeing nothing but rave reactions for that film. So I love that actor too. Iko Uwe is he's the greatest. Wonderful. But anyways, let's right. um let's get down to the big eights. So okay, I mean I have some thoughts on a few of the other technical categories, which you know it's, it's still too early to call a lot of these. Like they start to form up near. November, when you can really yeah. say, like, okay, we've seen enough of these movies to say, yeah, cinematography, editing, uh, song, you really can't tell until the, the Oscars come out, because it's like throwing darts at the dartboard. Yeah. And especially once you get into the short film categories, you're just like, I don't know, what name sounds the coolest out of these short films? Oh, yeah. Like, did I tell you how I won last year for best, um, I want to say it was a short documentary film, because it was that film, Heaven is a Traffic Jam on the 405, mm -hmm. and I picked that... Just because of the name, and I'm yeah. sure most everyone else did too. See, I, I didn't get that wrong. Didn't get that one because I hadn't gotten a chance to watch that short yet. And I, oh no, I, I lost. Get, don't get me wrong. I didn't see it. I just know that <laughs> I know that the name was enough to draw people's attention. Just like, yeah. what is this film? It must be good because that name sticks out so much. <laughs> 
So um, I'm the one guy that tries to watch the short films. I, I did one year too. I yeah. saw the best animated short films one year, and that was totally worth it. All those ones that year were oh, great. Oh, the animated shorts are always wonderful. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, um, let's talk about adapted screenplay nominees. So, I mean, no no surprise. One of the biggest ones people are talking about is if Beale Street could talk. Yeah, it's gonna win. I you know yeah I think there's a big chance for that because especially when you look at the competition. I mean, depending on which set you're looking at, people are tracking it differently. I think if Beale Street is definitely one of the tops. The only major competitors, well, you know, competitor and competitors, uh, Star is Born. That one's definitely, I mean, the only reason that's not going to win, look how many people are on that, cre- the, the writing credits there. I yeah. Think one, two, three, like six people. Right. Six people wrote this script. And also, I think there's a big, like, a big dissonance between If Beale Street Could Talk, which is James Baldwin novel by one man, adapted by one man, and then Star is Born, which is a movie that has been made three times already. Yeah. And now it's the fourth time. And don't get me wrong, I am sure that A Star is Born has a wonderful script. I'm we will find it, out this weekend. Yeah, we are seeing it this weekend, and I am very excited to cry. But I, I'll get into this later, but I think A Star is Born is going to do a lot of very good things as Oscars, but I, I think because, A, of how musically based it is mm-hmm. i think it's going to have the la la land effect where because so much of it is song it's not going to get as much love for the actual writing of the dialogue yeah it's, it's not about the script it's more about the sound the tone the music exactly yeah which is which is fine you know yeah. you, you don't i mean it's not often that musicals win for best script anyways unless they're just that good no i it's rare if ever I'm oh. sure Sound of Music, I think, won for Scrat, maybe. Yeah, but, but that know. was before our parents were alive, so that doesn't count. <laughs> Excuse me, my parents... No, actually, were they alive during that time? Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They would have been very, very young yeah. if they were alive at that point. But um, So young, it doesn't even really count. Yeah. But then um, other contenders, uh, First Man, you know, that, that one seems like it's just a safe nomination, because it's, it's Josh Stinger, who... Um, he wrote Spotlight, correct? Yeah. Yeah, well, okay, he was co-writer on Spotlight. Um, and yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's a safe, sure bet. It's probably not going to win at all. So, yeah. Um, you know, one I feel like is going to get some attention because one is a female scriptwriter and two is a film that has pretty much come up as a surprise for everybody is Can You Ever Forgive Me? And I'm the only person that's not surprised by this because I saw the trailer in April when I went to oh, go see... Oh, the trailer see, was great. When yeah. I went to go see Life of the Party. Um, and <laughs> Wait, they advertised that film? Yes, first- <laughs> which was super weird. And it's very clear that someone just went, oh, Melissa McCarthy's in this movie. She's going to be in this other movie. Let's just throw the trailer on there. And it's all these like drunk wine moms like, woo, let's watch Life of the Party. And then this like intense, funny, weird drama trailer comes on. And they're like, I'm confused. What? Um, but no, as soon as the trailer came up and said from Marielle Heller, the director of Diary of a Teenage Girl, I went, oh, this is going to be one of the best movies of the year. And then the writer is uh, Nicole Holofcener, who uh, she's written some really, really great work. I love her. She's so good. Yeah, which um, she wrote, if I'm not mistaken, was she the one who wrote, um, uh, what's the one with James Gandolfini? Enough and, Said. Enough Said. I love that movie. That and, movie's amazing. And That's I, great. Was that, that was her, right? Yeah. yeah she okay. wrote and directed that, and she also made uh, Kids Are All Right, which is another wonderful movie. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she she's got, does great work. So you got a really good female director and a really good female writer. Yeah. I think that the director probably won't get recognized as much this no. year, but I feel like script writing would be a safe bet for this film. No, also because Marielle Heller's making the uh, Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks. Oh, so she's she, directing that? Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. So she she's going to get in uh, next year, so they're not going to worry about... Like, for Can You Ever Forgive Me for this year? It's going to be... It's going to be McCarthy and... Uh, Hall of Center in the in the real running. I would love to see that. I think that'd be really good. Um, yeah. So those four, I think, are the safest bets. So like a lot of these categories, it's that fifth slot. There's always mm-hmm. that fifth slot. Just like 
who's going to fill in the space. Now, I mean, I've seen some people throwing their hat for Boy Erased. I no. really don't think that's going to happen. No, I would be legitimately stunned if Boy Erased ended up with any Anything. nominations. Because, yeah. I mean, even knowing Shaq, he was at uh, TIFF, and he's like, yeah, some people really liked it, but then some friends I know really hated that movie. So... Uh, which I'm kind of surprised. I'm like, I hate? Really? I'm surprised to hear that anyone hated it. The, like, everything that I've heard from people is just, eh. Yeah. No, it's I mean, exactly what you expect. Well, that's a, that's a problem, because I love Joel Edgerton's work. But. Oh, I do, too. I think I think The Gift is wonderful, but this feels very much like, oh, I made this weird genre film, now I have to make a grown-up film. You know, I would say probably the one that may have a chance, and this is for a film I don't think is actually going to get as much love at the Oscars, is Black Klansman. I think that okay. one, like, this one is one of those weird ones where it's like, Spike Lee films are a mixed bag on a whole, you yes. know? And even if this is the best one that he's probably done in a while, yeah. there's enough back and forth on a few points. Like, even, you know, one of our sites uh, that we work alongside, Double Toasted, you know, where Corey really liked the movie, Martin was just kind of okay on it, yeah. kind of thing. And it's like, well, even his audience it's kind of intended for, quote, quote, isn't fully in love with this film. Yeah, so. it's a very weird, very specific movie. I personally adore the movie. Um, and I'm not a crazy Spike Lee fan. It honestly might be my favorite film of his, aside from Do the Right Thing. Oh, Malcolm X? I, I haven't seen Malcolm X okay. since I was like 12, so... Okay. Um, which is a weird movie to watch when you're 12. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and growing up in Tennessee, it's a very... It's a very strange thing um but no i really i really love the movie but i it's so strange that i honestly it feels like that and blind spying are going to be the two movies this year which right now are my two favorite films of the year are going to be the two films that just completely get shut out from the oscars well blind spotting for sure is going to get shut out which oh, is yeah. a shame because no one no one saw the movie despite the fact that i haven't shut up about it it since did not May. show it like any like, i know it was in one theater in salt lake city when i was living in utah yeah and i just never got a chance to see it and before i knew it it was gone like, yeah, like it was literally. there for a, a week and a half everywhere it was please when it comes on dvd do yourself a favor and go see blind spotting I'm, I'm already on it i'm gonna jump on that thing Good. but um yeah other than that the other nominees are all kind of a. Uh, this could get in, but it's not likely. Like what? Let's see. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna put my money on Widows for that fifth slot. Honestly. Okay, uh, Widows. From what it sounds like, it's more about the director than the writing in that case. Which sure, but but the writing is still done by Gillian Flynn and Steve McQueen. Like sure, sure. That yeah. like that stuff is going to crackle, and I feel like the Oscars are going to. It's going to be a forgive, not a for, but an apology Oscar for not nominating her for Gone Girl. The, the Oscars never apologize. Well, uh, that's so, not true. Sometimes they do. Leonardo, like we were saying earlier, Leonardo DiCaprio's Oscar win was a giant apology. And Al Pacino's Oscar win for Scent of a Woman. Uh, yep. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, the Oscars apologize all the time. They don't like to apologize, but they sometimes will apologize. Yeah, no, they, they pretend that they're not apologizing, which stinks that, and we'll get to this later, but it stinks that Robert Redford is unretiring because this could have been a wonderful apology tour for him. I mean, yeah, so we'll see if he, because <laughs> I know he did that whole thing like, Maybe I shouldn't have said that just yeah. yet. Because <laughs> he happened to get like his best reviews ever for that yeah. film. But um, yeah, so I think other contenders, I mean, Leave No Trace, again, that film is really, really small. But literally, it is the only film this year out of 181 reviews that has 100% positive. Mm -hmm. Which I feel is totally deserved because that movie was amazing. But yeah. um, it, It's going to sweep the Independent Spirit Awards. Probably. But it's I, I couldn't see it getting in here. Probably not. Um I mean, people have also said stuff for, like, say, uh, Old Man and the Gun. I, I doubt it. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, Death of Stalin. That's not going to happen. No. Like, that one is a good movie, and any other year, it probably would be a possible contender. 
but it just has no momentum at all for it. Yeah, it's a good movie, and it is a great script, but no. Yeah, uh, Beautiful Boy, probably not. No, I mean, that movie's about the actors. Yeah, and then anybody Miseducation Education of Cameron Post, which... Again, you know, no. that's funny, like, that film won Sundance, but I don't hear anybody talking about that film. Because like, it, it vanished. It's, it was not anywhere. I mean, and also it's, you know, it's less audience-friendly than um, uh, Boy Erased is, I'm sure. It's a little bit more explicit, quote-unquote. Eh, I, like, okay, I wouldn't okay, even but, know that. It's just the fact that, like... It's more frank. Uh, yeah, but also, like, we gave Moonlight an Oscar, so now it's like, okay, cool, we got we got the gays. <laughs> Everyone else can wait, like, 10 or 15 years until we give an Oscar to to one of the other three letters. We please the gays this time, and then the next year we please the fish lovers, so. Yeah, <laughs> the, two, the, two main, the two main genders. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, that gets back even more into, like, everything is political. Like, gay movies are much more likely to get both commercial success and awards recognition than films about lesbian women. So it's, yeah. it's I don't know. We got we got work to do as a society, but what's what else is new? Yeah, I mean, what, the last major lesbians, like some of the last major, bleh, lesbian films I can think of is like The Kids Are All Right. And, yep. Yeah, so. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it seems like a pretty safe bet of who's going to be the top candidates. So unless something comes out of nowhere to surprise us, then I'm pretty sure yeah. these are the films to really look forward to this year. I mean, Clint Eastwood has never been known for his writing, so I can't see The Mule getting in here. Well, is The Mule an adapted screenplay? Yeah, it's based on a true story, so I just assumed. Okay. I mean, again, that movie, for people who don't know, that was literally the last minute, like, oh yeah, by the way, this movie's done. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it is? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's coming out in December. Yeah, it's done and it's going to be here and don't worry about it. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, for original screenplay, then, this is going to be interesting because there's a lot of contenders that you can really think about for this category. Uh, for me, the top pick, probably, that's going to get nominated, I mean, I think Roma is probably the, one of the safest bets for this kid, uh, this category. I can see that. Yeah, but actually one of the ones that people are saying, again, this is that film that I called it, it was going to be an Oscar contender, Green Book. Yep. Green yeah. Book is going to be a really big deal. Which is funny because, like, everyone seems to be on the train of, this movie's really good, but it's also not the best movie I saw this year. But because there's so many people saying that, that almost guarantees it a little bit more attention. Because that's what happened with Shape of Water. Because I, I'm i one of the few people I know that thought Shape of Water was the best movie to come out last year. A lot of people, like it me. was their second or third or fourth. Everyone, I would say it was my eighth. Well, maybe ten. Yeah, but like you know where I... Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, you know I, I, generally I, I, what I'm saying. Like of yeah. those nominees at least. So like... People couldn't agree on some people like Dunkirk more, and they're wrong. Some people like <laughs> Murder on the Orient, or not Murder, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Very like, different. Film. They have very similar posters, though, so forgive me. <laughs> but everyone could agree that Shape of Water was second or third, and so I feel like that's where Green Book is really going to come in because it's everyone's backup choice. It's everyone's yeah second it's or third. It's everyone's safe movie. bet. Yeah, and. You know, sometimes that works for a film with advantage, you know? Yeah. And also, this story apparently has a lot of personal investment because the story about these characters is based on one of the people's dads who wrote yeah. the script. You know, it's like, yeah, my dad was Viggo Mortensen's character, more or less. So, All right. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, and then for other contenders, this one's going to be hard because there's a lot of worthy nominees. And a lot of weird nominees. Yes. Because um, uh, The Favorite is one of those films that everyone's just going like, yeah, you know, Yorgos Lanthimos films are hard to watch. But this one is insane and awesome, apparently. I mean, if if the Academy was crazy enough and correct enough to give him a writing nomination for The Lobster, they're going to give him a writing nomination for this. Well, and this one apparently is much more accessible than even The Lobster yeah. was. So, which, hey, cool. And plus, it's a period piece. So there oh, you go. Yeah. Period pieces is usually a safe bet for Oscars. Yeah, and, um, I, and I think they're just happy that they're not... 
that he's not making another movie like Killing of a Sacred Deer. Because yeah. that is a very strange movie that I like a lot. Now, there's two films I'm going to be interested to see if they crack the list. Is um, Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham, which that seems to be the, um, the, the big sick contender of this year. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, this is a film that... You know, everyone championed because they really liked it. It's just a small film. I I would I would put money that Bo Burnham is going to get a nominee. Is going to get a nomination this year? Yeah, if not a total nomination, he'll be like probably that sixth or seventh like possible one. Yeah, I I honestly couldn't see him not getting nominated for this film. And then on the other one, I'm personally rooting for because I you know last person suspect I would love an Adam McKay movie. Big Short I thought was one of the best movies of that year. And Vice, they just dropped the trailer for that one, which previously was called Backseat, just to correct for um, a previous podcast. They renamed it as Vice in the last few weeks. Yeah. And uh, I'm really excited because, I mean, yes, the the biggest thing I noticed is that this movie is getting some traction, but it almost feels like people are, like, trying not to think about this film. Like, we really don't want to think about Dick Cheney. Which, don't get me wrong, I get it. But also, like, this, it's weird because I did not like The Big Short. Get out. <laughs> no, no, I know. Uh, it's it's another it's another movie that I'm wrong about. Like I didn't dislike it. It was just it was fine to me. Um, I have a lot of problems with it. But I watched this trailer like a few hours ago, honestly, and I went, "Oh, I want to see this movie right now." I mean, I'm sure it's probably gonna get much more love for Christian Bale, which when we get to Best Actor, we'll talk about that. Right. But um, I mean, you know, one of the big things I liked about Big Short was how it was written. Like not just. The actual quality of the dialogue, but the structure of it. Oh, the script's the best thing about that movie. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's really a film about its presentation, you yeah. know? And, and I think if Vice can tackle that, because, I mean, technically he's not writing it with the same co-writer. He's just doing it on his own this time, so that might make the difference. Which might end up making it a better script. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's one of those things, like, I can't say how much Adam McKay is by himself the greatest dramatic director, because it's yeah. like, yeah, big short... He wrote it with another person. So if he can do it on his own, though, then totally. I would totally go see this. So, yeah. So, um, now, the big thing is there's going to be a lot of question marks with the other few. It's like, um, one, I'm, you know, I keep talking about this because it's my boy, Julian Schnabel, is uh, at Eternity's Gate, which uh, he's the guy who directed The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Which I have not seen. Which I have a copy of. You can totally borrow because that movie is amazing. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I've been meaning to see it forever. It's just going to be very sad. And this is his first film in 10 or 11 years. Like, All right. He, he's one of those guys because he's a painter by trade. So he only directs a film whenever he feels like it, essentially. All right. He's got the Terrence Malick thing going on where he's just like, I'm just going to be over here doing oil and every now and again, I'll make a movie. Exactly. Although Terrence Malick the last few years just like, well, I'm probably going to die soon, so I might as well pump out as many films as I can. Yeah, and then I'm over here like, Terrence, I still like these movies, but come on, man. <laughs> yeah. But at Eternity's Gate, um, one of the big things about it is that uh, Willem Dafoe won an award for his acting in that film. Yeah, at Venice. Uh, at Venice, yeah. And Which so, was crazy, because I had never even heard about this movie, and they went, Willem Dafoe won an award. And I was like, cool, they're finally recognizing him for his work in Spider-Man. But no. <laughs> I was like, that's a very weird timing. But no, he's playing Vincent Van Gogh. Which is <laughs> the cool. heart, Van Gogh! We must target the heart! <laughs> <laughs> but um or maybe his ear but anyways yeah. uh yeah so this will be interesting to see if the writing is up to snuff because oh who's writing this movie it is oh so Chernobyl's writing it along with someone i don't know jean-claude carrier um which the last one was written by ronald harwood which that dude was an awesome writer he wrote the pianist so. okay so we'll see what happens if this can translate because Usually, Chernobyl films are recognized for their acting more than they are for any other categories, but Diving Bell was the exception, where that movie legitimately deserved a director nomination because it's just that dang good. Okay. Now, also, the Coen brothers are up at it again with uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Which is being... Which everyone that has seen it seems to say that it's lesser Coens. At the same time, it won a Venice for its script, I believe. Yeah, which is crazy, because... 
like that was the only really great thing that I'd heard about it. Which um, I think, and that's why I'm saying that's probably the only good chance at a big gay category. That's fair. Like the other things, I mean, I will say the camera work in that movie looks amazing because it's oh, yeah. Bruno Delbanel, one of the greatest cinematographers living today. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think big eight categories, this is only shot, if at all, it's going to yeah. get in. So I agree I can with that. see that. Um, and then I put some other ones just like, what, mid-90s. I mean, that one's got enough backlash, even though I think it's undeserved backlash to some degree with it, you know. It just like, it just doesn't look that good to me. Everyone I see, know who saw it really liked it, so. Yeah. I don't know. It nothing about it seems special in any way to me. I feel like it'll be a competently made movie, but it's just it, there's something about it where. And this is just based off of the trailer, so this is not me having seen the movie, which yeah. is an unfair way to judge any piece of art. Uh, this is what this I podcast is all about. We judge things before we actually seen them, and then yeah. we talk about how good they are. The the movie just does not feel like anything special, um, which is just fair enough, disheartening. Fair enough. And then everything else, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. Like, first performed. Which I don't like. Okay. Um, <laughs> Stan and Ollie is getting a bunch of attention, which I didn't, I, I think this film's coming out this year. Like, I saw the trailer for it, and I, it, maybe it's making the cutoff point. I don't think, like, that's, like, we have hit the cutoff point. We've hit the vice and the meal point where movies are getting dated. If a movie gets dated past October, it is, like, there's a there's something going wrong there, right? Well, again, though, you know, American Sniper premiered, like, literally at the end of the year, and that got a bunch of nominations. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's not about deserving in this case. I'm just saying right. I, I, the yes. trailer premiered at, like, October, and it managed to get a Best Picture nomination, so. Yeah, but did, did is Stan and Ollie about someone that died recently that people feel like they're showing their patriotism through supporting the movie? It is about a famous celebrity who, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot and of also, feelings it, about American Sniper, sorry. I, I, I actually kind of like that movie. I don't think it's I don't think it's great. I will say that I don't think no. it's great. Yeah. But um. But you know, also Stan Ali was written by the co-writer of Philomena, Jeff Pope. Ooh. And it's uh, Steve Coogan who's the lead actor in it. Okay. So, yeah. I, I take back what I said. That might actually squeeze in there a that, little that bit. Could, that could give it some potential. And then yeah. you know, other ones like Quiet Place, Writer, Sorry to Bother You, Private Life. You know, again, films that like you know, Blind Spotting probably up there somewhere. Films that are just too small. Like they could possibly campaign for it, but I doubt. But, yeah. Quiet Place, as much as I enjoy that movie, has got way too many plot holes for that to work. Well, it's also, um, it's not really about the script. Yeah, it, it's very much more about, like, the direction and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry to Bother You is a weird enough movie that I would like to live in a world where it gets nominated, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, so, we'll see. But I think that's mostly what i got to say about that category. Is there any other ones that you think, uh, or is that pretty much the... That's pretty much everything. Okay, I agree. Um, Alright, so then Best Supporting Actress, and I know... We're going very in depth with this. You know what you're in for, but we'll try to do. We'll try to speed through the best we can. <laughs> okay. Um. I mean, for the audience. Sorry. You. You know exactly what you're in for. Oh, I know. I signed up for this. <laughs> uh, supporting actress. Let's just say like the top one. So I'm gonna start with you. Who do you think is your top pick for this? Claire Foy. Claire Foy. Claire. 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 Claire Foy. Claire Foy. I'm trying to. I'm because I don't like. I can't wrap my mouth around the words Claire Foy. I want to say clairvoyant when I say Yeah, no, I was trying to think of a clairvoyant pun, but you ruined it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, okay, so Claire Foy for First Man. Yes. Yeah, it seems like she's one of the biggest things people are promoting from that film. So. Yeah, which is shocking because it's a movie about Neil Armstrong and half of the trailer is on Neil Armstrong's wife. And don't get me wrong, 
in if this was like five years ago, you would have a lot of reaction shots of her being like, "Oh, I hope my husband's gonna return home safely from well, the I moon." Mean, you say that, but um, what's her name? The woman who played the wife in Apollo thirteen got an Oscar nomination too. Uh, Kathleen Quinlan. Yeah, but the movie is not about her at all. But it still, the fact like, that she snagged attention for it. Yeah, so. but it feels like First Man is going to be a lot about her as well, which is what makes it really interesting. Yeah, yeah. But then, um, yeah. So I think she's definitely a top pick. Also, yeah. uh, what about you, Justin? Well, that was my top. pick. Pick. But ha, the win. other top pick, I mean, this is purely on the fact that she's an Oscar darling. Yeah. Uh, Amy Adams for Vice, where it's the problem that we just haven't seen enough of her yet. Like, yeah. Even the trailer, it's all about Christian Bale. You it's know. all about Christian Bale and a little bit about Sam Rockwell, which I'm going to get to that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm go, going for W. <laughs> but um, the other ones who I feel like are going to be big ones, the favorite can have a couple contenders because Rachel Vice, it's so sad because it's never that she's a bad actor. She's just. She just doesn't have enough attention around her. Like, she's yeah. already an Oscar winner, so that's good for her. Yeah. But oh, um, I, lo- it seems- I love her. I oh. think she's wonderful. But it seems like everyone's going to focus on Emma Stone for that. Which is weird because who is the lead? Because I um, see on well, your list you've got Stone. Uh, and Vice is down and here, I think. Vice. And so do you have Olivia Coleman as uh, lead? From what it looks like, she's being campaigned as lead actress because she won an award in Venice, too. Okay. So. That's interesting. Yeah. So I think she's being campaigned for lead act- actress. Um, but then other ones, I picked um, Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk, which yeah. I'm sure that film's going to get at least one or two nominations, and it seems like yeah. that's the safest bet for someone who's a, a name actor yeah. in that film. Um, you know, one I put down is just like a, this is very possible, is Michelle Yao for Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, that's definitely going to happen. I know there are people that want it, want that movie to get more... I doubt. ...love, which is not going to happen, no. but giving it that supporting actor is not... Basically putting Yao in the bridesmaids role of we love this movie but this is not the kind of movie that we're here to celebrate so we're going to give it an acting nod and call it a day like, yeah I could... and also that Michelle Yao is one of those actresses like she's been around for a while um did she get nominated before or was that a different actor uh of? she might have been nominated for Crouching Tiger I'm not sure oh, she wasn't not, not for Crouching Tiger it would have oh. been a different film but um uh yeah so she's been around for a long time and she's uh, really good in the movie and she's really you know, yeah she's one of the things people like the most in that film and yeah. this would be a diversity vote but also a deserving vote at the yeah. same time so that'd be I think that's a safe bet for like the commercial-friendly pick for this category. Yeah, and I think that's what it is more than anything, is the fact that this is a movie that made a lot of money. Yeah. And everything else... And it's also good. Everything else in this category, I'm just kind of like, we'll see. I mean, what? Nicole Kidman for Boy Erased. She got a lot no. of great reviews for that, but I doubt it. No. Uh, Natalie Portman's being campaigned for supporting actor in this one. I don't know. That, that's, that's the category I'm seeing her in. Weird, because that... She's the lead actor in that movie. That's she? all I've heard, is that it, Natalie Portman in this movie. Although, that's another movie that I don't really know anything about and it is getting really close to the finish line yeah uh margot robbie for mary queen of scots that movie is going to i i, can't I mean she looked movie. great she looked great in the trailer but yeah it seems like it's gonna be a hard you know push for her yeah, it feels like that movie as a whole is just gonna be a big pass it feels like one of those like oh this is the kind of movie that would sweep the oscars 40 years ago it feels <laughs> it almost like the posters look like parodies of oscar movies almost a little bit yeah. I mean, but um yeah, and then just, what, Sissy Spacek for Old Man and the Gun? Eh, maybe. In a, per- in a perfect world. Yeah, Linda Cardellini for Green Book? Probably not. Uh, Marina de Tavira for Roma? That's the thing about Roma, is I'm sure the performers, the performers are going to be incredible, but unless there is one singular standout performance, they're all going to get drowned out. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, and really, really sucks, but that is, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think everything else is kind of like, you know, wishful thinking in this category. So, yeah. that's about as much as I can say about that. Do you have anything else? No. Alright. Supporting actor. Now, okay, so you had a few thoughts on this one. Okay. Who are your top picks for supporting actor? Here's the thing, and this is just based off two scenes in the trailer. 
I have a sinking suspicion that Sam Rockwell's gonna go two for two, back to back supporting actor wins. I don't know when, but I think he, you know, because he won last year, he has a better chance at a nomination than than he would any other year. But I, I think he's going. I think he's gonna do it back to back. I think he's gonna Tom Hanks it. We'll see. I mean, it's supporting actors always a very competitive category because yeah. you get some great work out of supporting actors in these yeah. things. Best actress and so best supporting actor are the two tensest categories every year. Oh yeah. So okay, so you're just putting your money down for Sam Rockwell. I'm putting my money down for. I'm putting my like my gut on Sam Rockwell. I'm putting my brain down on Timothy Chalamet. Okay, uh, with those two, I think. Well, Timothy Chalamet for sure, I think is a safe bet because yeah. he's kind of a darling right now. Like everyone yeah. really likes this guy. Um, the two- and beautiful boy is. You play a a true story meth addict like that is that is perfect Oscar. Yep, but the two who are my top picks, like the ones I'm really rooting for, is um, Marshall Ali for Green Book because everyone's saying he's like one of the best parts of the whole movie. Oh yeah, he's, he's the great. best part of anything he's a part of. But the other thing, uh, the guy who I didn't suspect would get so much love, Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born. I am so happy this guy's getting Oscar attention for that because it's about darn time, you yeah. know. <laughs> Honestly, he should have gotten more love for his performance in The Hero last year, because that's oh, yeah. a, it's a fine movie, but that is a really good performance. Yeah. Um, I mean, finally people are just going, like, this is our way to recognize such a great character actor. You yeah. Know? Like, this is a film that really highlights a really strong performance from him. Yeah. And, and again, we'll have to see the movie to see how prevalent he is, because he's not used a ton in the marketing, but I I believe he has to have a, bigger, a big enough role in it. Um, the thing... The kind of the wild card for me is Richard E. Grant for I think he's gonna, Forgive Me. He's going to be the same nominee that Richard Jenkins was last year. The safe, yeah. like, you know, this is a guy who's a great performer. He's getting recognized for some work that he's done here. He's not going to get you know win at all. No. But it's like everyone's saying that him and Melissa McCarthy are great in Can You Ever Forgive Me. Yeah. So. It's, it's the nomination so that people go, oh, they really like this Can You Ever Forgive Me movie. Yeah, yeah. Now, the one that I know a lot of people are campaigning for... No. I just can't see Michael B. Jordan win, uh, being nominated for this for Black Panther. No, I think Michael B. Jordan is a incredibly talented actor, and honestly, I would not be shocked if in the next 10 years he has one, if not multiple, Academy Awards. I think he's a brilliant young performer, and I think he taps into his charisma in a way that very few actors are able to do. But this is a comic book movie. Not that, not that comic book movies are bad. Heath Ledger won an Oscar for a comic Heath book Ledger movie. Heath Ledger won an Oscar for an incredible performance in a comic book movie, as yes. he should have. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Michael B. Jordan might, might deliver one of the best performances in any MCU film. I just but, can't see it. Yeah, it, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to not sound condescending because this is a geek site and I am a geek, <laughs> but and I have a bad tendency to get really condescending when I talk about comic book movies sometimes, but... It's just that it, no, that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I mean, again, it could happen. It has not. They're campaigning really hard for it, but I just can't see it myself personally. Yeah. But I mean, everything one else again. This is one of those things where there's so many possible contenders for this movie. Like even films that have gotten shoved off to the side, like Army Hammer and On the Basis of Sex. Nobody's talking about that movie. No. <laughs> Although I do like how in your Dark Horses you have two actors that if this were the Davy Awards they would be up there, <laughs> which is Hugh Grant for. The performance of his career in Paddington 2. And he I'm, was amazing in that movie. And I am not saying that ironically. He's <laughs> No, wonderful. he was great. <laughs> and uh, Dominic West and Colette. Oh, he, and Dominic West was amazing in that film, yeah. too. So, yeah. Uh, everyone else, you know, it's like Adam Driver for Black Klansman. I think he's a good, like, sixth or seventh contender kind of thing. See, I, I get why they're putting him in there. You have Topher Grace playing David Duke, and you don't put your money on that. That is that is prime supporting actor material, and think, he is 
so good in the role. In a better world, this would be that would be a contender too. But yeah. I think because he's playing such a despicable character in a film that's really you know meant to demonize him so badly that it's going to be hard. And plus, Trevor Grace doesn't really have the support of like critical darling stuff, right? You know? But he should because he is fan fantastic in Black Klansmen. Yeah. And also, and also not to compare the two, but like if we're talking about people that many people, myself included, don't have terribly high opinions of, like we are talking about and praising the possibility of a movie about Dick Cheney and George Bush. So like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, fair enough. I just, you know, the movie kind of, just the trailers kind of bugged me the whole America First thing. I'm like, I know the KKK did not say America First back in those days, but... It's one of those things where... It's a Spike Lee movie. Where it's got, from what I've heard, it's got a lot of the Sorry to Bother You stuff where it's like, they wrote a bunch of stuff being like, oh, this is going to be funny. And then everything started to happen. They were like, oh, this is going to seem too on the nose if we actually put it in there. So like... Boots Riley cut it down a lot better than Spike Lee did. Cause yeah, Spike, Lee, Spike like, Lee turns to the camera and goes, we're talking about Trump. <laughs> yeah, and don't get me wrong, it's blatant, but that's why I love Spike Lee, and that's why I love that movie. Okay, okay. Uh, that, and that's just a little nitpick for me. Yeah, but anyways, I get that. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, um, going on from there to lead actress, uh, now this is the one where apparently everyone is putting this on like the top of their prediction list. Yeah, it's for what? a movie that nobody has seen, but everyone who has seen it has said that Glenn Close and The Wife is like one of her best performances. And I believe that Glenn Close is wonderful, and I feel like she is an actress that gives her A-game to everything. She just doesn't um, get recognized in a lot of stuff. Sucks that she's not going to win an Oscar this year. Yeah, so I mean, hey, if she gets nominated for a film that, you know... It's like um, 45 years, you know, films that yeah. people have... Which is a wonderful film, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, but like one of the things, like, nobody has seen this movie, but everyone who did said, yeah, um, what's the actress's name? Charlotte Rampling. Charlotte Rampling. Everyone says, like, she was amazing in that film. It's just a film that not many people have seen. Yeah. So, that would be cool. Um, Lady Gaga. I Lady Gaga. Ladies, Lady Gaga's going to win an Oscar this year. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, again, it depends on how the, the end of the year goes, but she's definitely going to be a top contender this year. When, because they recently released the music video, mm-hmm. like, promotional thing they did for the song Shallow, and one of my friends texted me, and he was like, hey, you should watch this video, because I'm obviously really excited for the movie. So I watched it, and there's a clip of her singing that song, and I looked into her eyes, and I texted my friend, and I said, Lady Gaga's going to win an Oscar. <laughs> hey, it's very possible. She could actually, you know, share one an Oscar, so it's possible for singers to win Oscars. So. Yeah, and also, that musical performance, like, she's got that thing, that Anne Hathaway in the I Dream the Dream scene thing That Genese Quoi, if you will. Yeah, that, that thing where you just go, like, like, the same thing that Emma Stone has in the, um the like climax of La La Land where it's just that long take of her singing that song that specific thing where you go oh this is special like all your eyes are just drawn on this one person yeah yeah, yeah. just with pure emotion and musical ability it's just I I can't see her not winning this absolutely uh, and then Olivia Coleman, you know if they campaign her for best actress this will be definitely the chance for her to get in yeah uh, Melissa McCarthy believe it or not I think she'll get in. Oh, I think, I think she will as well. She's yeah. a wonderful actress. Yeah, when she does drama, the few times I've seen her drama, she's really good at yeah. it. So, um, and you know what? This fifth thought's going to be interesting because there's so many contenders, but the one I'm kind of hoping for, Tony Collette and Hereditary. Tony Collette and Hereditary is amazing. And if, honestly, I would, if I only had to pick two nominees, I would pick Lady Gaga and Tony Collette because I think Tony Collette does such a good job that it's kind of breaking through the, oh, horror movie is not a real movie. Yeah, which and I know people are divided on Hereditary, whether they really love it or really hate it. Yeah. I'm on the side that really loves it, so. Yeah, because you're correct. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else, again, like I said, yeah. it's so 
I don't know. Like, Carrie Mulligan for Wildlife, I don't know if that film's big enough to get IFC attention. has never done an Academy, like, an Oscar campaign right, except for Boyhood, so no. Oh, right. Um, was I thought Boyhood was Fox Searchlight, wasn't it? Uh, it was, I think it had Fox Searchlight, but it was, like, distributed by IFC. Okay. Um, Emily Blunt for Mary Poppins, I doubt that's gonna happen. I mean, maybe she's great. Maybe she's great in the film, I don't know. So it's too early to say. Yeah. Villa Davis and Widows, possibly? That cast is too big. Yeah, probably. I mean, she's definitely being campaigned as the lead. So yes. if anyone's going to stand out, it would be her, probably. Yes, but it, it's still one of those things where, like, it's an ensemble cast, like a big ensemble cast, where I just, I can't see any one person really going for broke there. Yeah, and then everyone else is just kind of just there. Like, what, M- Maggie Gyllenhaal for the kindergarten... Um, the uh, kindergarten teacher? Yeah, and then uh, Felicity Jones for On the Basis of Sex, Julia Roberts for Ben is Back, um, Yalitza Aparicio for Roma... I mean, again, looking down this list, there's a lot of great actors that any other year could be worthy nominees. Yeah. It's just probably not going to happen this year. Yeah. In a perfect in a perfect year, I would have liked to see Elsie Fisher get some love for her fantastic performance in uh, in 8th grade. Yeah, yeah. But that's also just, that's not going to happen. No, she's too young and too inexperienced to really too get Too young, too inexperienced. Again, it's another actress that will do wonderful things at the Independent Spirit Awards, but not right now. Not here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, we're moving down to the list, and I know, sorry people, this is a long one, but we're going in-depth. We're going to give you the most for your for your time. Yeah, um, the, the, the full bang for your buck. Which, so, speaking of buck, you should subscribe to oneofus.net. Yes, please. We would really appreciate it. <laughs> you get a lot of bonus content, like, you know, hint, hint, Breakfast Pub, my podcast. Just Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get to listen to him without me being there to ruin everything. Well, if you ever want to be on those and you wake up on time, then yes, you can be on it. Yeah, I was supposed to be on the Breakfast Pub a week ago, and I slept through it. It's okay. I understand. But best <laughs> actor. Um, okay, there's definitely. I think this one has some very set in stone contenders. It has so. set in stone contenders, but as I've proved through this podcast, at least I hope that I am very much a person who will just like say things that he believes and then be proven wrong later on. Hey, that's, that, that sometimes you can be totally right on that stuff. I there is nothing that I want to say is like a done deal here. Well, the only ones I'm sure are going to be like total nominees. Um, I think Bradley Cooper is definitely getting in this year because right. that dude has a great track record in the last few years. Once he started to take himself really seriously, he's been putting out great performance after great performance. Yeah, once he fulfilled his contractual obligations to The Hangover Part 3, he was just smooth sailing. Well, I mean, he did Silver Lane's Playbook before that one, to be fair. But, yeah. yes, once he was done with that, then he really yeah. let loose. So. I like to think he filmed Hangover 3 like before Silver Lane's Playbook even like came across his desk, and he was like, he read the script, and he was like, this is one of the best things I've ever read. I need to like change my life around. <laughs> well, then, yeah, because I mean, like, the last like three or four films he's been in, he's gotten nominations for. At yeah. least, like, lead, lead performances. He's yeah. Um, he hasn't gotten an Oscar for being a raccoon yet. <laughs> okay, yeah, there we go. Um, Viggo Mortensen, I think, is a safe bet for Green Book. Absolutely. I, mean, I know we joked about it that in the trailer he seems, you know, really goofy like this. He's almost John Gotti level kind of performance. I was about to make a, jo- a Gotti joke. <laughs> I'm just uh, beating you to your jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it is it is 11 in the morning and I am very, very tired. Yeah. And I, uh, my jokes are, are not firing on all cylinders. But I'm I sorry. Think from what it sounds like, when you actually watch the movie, he's a lot more organic. Because yeah. I mean, it's freaking Viggo Mortensen. He's he's one of those guys where he picks a movie every like four years. Yeah. And when he does, he's like, oh, I'm gonna put my A game to this. Yeah. So. He's the, that guy is such a chameleon. Like I'm looking at the picture that you have pulled up. That the fact that that guy is the guy in the Green Book trailer and also the same guy from Captain Fantastic yeah. is wild. Like I know that everyone loves Christian Bale's like transformations as they should. He's I mean, great. And he looks but, really good in the trailer for Vice. Yeah, but. 
Viggo Mortensen is very underrated in terms of his transformation abilities. Oh, sure. I mean, Viggo Mortensen's biggest flaw as an actor is that he broke out too late. You know, yeah. like, once he became a superstar with Lord of the Rings, he was already, like, 40. Yeah. Almost, like, like, late 30s, early 40s. 40s and clearly at least a little jaded with the whole Hollywood system. He was like, I'm just going to make whatever I want. And it's like, dude, keep making more movies, please. Yeah, You're very and, good and at it. And it's like, I did Witness in 85, and now I'm finally breaking out in 2003. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then you got Ryan Gosling for First Man. I think that one's not as safe as people think it is. I, I don't know. Like, I think could, it's pretty it could, safe. Well, I mean, it's one of the things where it's like, he's really great. I'm hearing some, like, you know, some murmuring in the crowd just like, yeah, he's really good, but he's playing Ryan Gosling as he does in a lot of movies. Yeah. Which, I think he's a really underrated actor for that reason. He's very nuanced. Yes. But I can see it going either way. Like, either he might squeeze in or he might just just barely get shoved out. I, I mean, I don't think he'll win, but I do think he'll get it. I think First Man's going to be one of those movies that, aside from, I think Claire Foy's going to be a really big contender there. But I think First Man's going to be one of those movies that gets nominated for a lot of things yeah. and wins very few. And it looks like they might have put in the American flag after all in that movie. Cause the American flag was in there the whole time. People were just saying things. I know, I know, ah! I know. Well, they made, it, they made a big point in the last year that would go, look, here's a shot of the American flag. Happy? Yeah. <laughs> like, people that actually went to like the tip screens were like, the American, what's wrong with you people? The American flag's in there. Why there's, are this you? This is not the scene of him planting it down on the ground. Yeah. That's all. So, mm. But yeah, um, at Eternity's Gate, I think Willem Dafoe, I don't think this is 100% either. No. But... I mean, it's very possible. I mean, Julian Schnabel's films do get a lot of actor performances, or at least for, for sure Javier Bardem in uh, Before Night Falls. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good chance. And then one that's also a could-go-either-way, Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, where it's like everyone is really liking his performances in the trailers, but a trailer is not a movie, so we have to actually see the full movie to see if he can make it. I think Rami Malek's incredibly talented. He's fantastic on Mr. Robot. He was really good in Short Term 12, and he was really good in a super weird movie called Buster's Malheart from last oh, yeah. year. Oh, no, that was a couple years ago. Really? Yeah, no, it came out a while back. Oh, then I put that on the wrong letterbox list. <laughs> um, the only thing that could really derail this movie is the fact that it is a movie that has the words directed by Brian Singer on it. Well, at least directed by Brian Singer and Dexter Fletcher. Yes, but, 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 he but he's getting the credit. Well, because he directed two-thirds of the movie, so yeah. by DJ standards, he's technically still the director. So yeah. that, that's going to affect it. I mean, it'll probably affect the film, I think. It I'll will know. affect the film. and But if, then his his performance might be like one of those, like, yeah, the film, what we think, but if the acting is really good from him, then it's possible. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting situation, because I honestly would have put Bohemian Rhapsody in a Best Picture potential nominee if it didn't have the words directed by Brian Singer attached to it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the film's going to come out, what, another month or two, so yeah. we'll, see, we'll see what goes on. Um, and then everyone else, again, like, you know, it's, it's, it's like there's those definite candidates, and then there's these, you know, they might be there. Like, uh, Rabbit Red for Old Man and the Gun. It's yeah. possible, like, if he can kind of squeeze his way in, but I doubt that it's going to happen. Um, Lucas Hedges for Boy Erased. He's got a bunch of big films that he did really well in this year, but I don't yeah. think any one of them is going to stand out. No. John C. Riley and Stan, Stan and Ollie, he looks the part. He looks just like, you know, um, what's his name? Um, you, you got two choices. Stan, uh, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's either Stan or Ollie, so. <laughs> he's Oliver Hardy, sorry. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, sorry, I just bleh, blanked out of there. But uh, yeah, like he looks just like him, so maybe. Um, Steve Carell and Beautiful Boy, again, he's getting a lot of love, but I think Chalamet is going to get over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh Jackman, the frontrunner, that's not going to happen. That nope. film died. Yeah. <laughs> um... John David Washington for Black Klansman. Nah, you know, nah. he's good. And from what I hear, he's good in that. He is but very, very good, but he's not the selling point of the movie. No, no. And then everyone else is just kind of there. Joaquin yeah. Phoenix for You Never Really There. Ben Foster for Leave No Trace. 
you know, Ethan Hawke first performed. All good performances, very few great performances that would, like, be yeah. the Oscar winner that year. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's about the state that you can guess for that. Um, going on to Best Director, then. This is where it gets really interesting. I'm very curious what you put down. So, all right, like, once again, who is your top pick for Director this year? There is an argument to be made for every single person on this list. My, I think I have to go Bradley Cooper. Yeah, you know, it's weird to say that he's a possible contender, maybe winner, if this film's as good as everyone says it is. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely he's definitely going to get nominated, I think, for sure. I, I can't see him not being nominated, and I... Because the thing is, Barry Jenkins is going to... I, I really think Barry Jenkins is going to get that Adapted Screenplay Award. And he's, I think he's definitely going to get a director nomination. Oh, he's going to get a director nomination, but I think they're going to do what they did in, 20, in 2016, where someone's going to get a screenplay, someone else is going to get this, someone else is going to get this. Yeah, that's, um, that's very likely. I think Barry Jenkins is going to get that script award and not get the directing award that he probably deserves. Uh, I think Damien Chazelle, again, is going to be in he, the He's going to be the safe choice this year. Like He's not going to be the definite winner, because La La yeah. he was the definite winner, I felt. Yeah. He, he, oh, yeah. But because he won, and also because of the crap storm that happened with... First um, Man, yeah. Well, with La La Land oh, uh, and the Moonlight yeah. stuff, I think it's going to be another thing where... First Man's going to be the movie that gets nominated for a lot. It wins very little. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, again, you guys know my thoughts on Alfonso Cuaron with Roma and with Spike Lee. I think Black Klansman is a really, really, really great movie that I love. I don't think enough people love it to really connect, to really like give him the award because it is a very Spike Lee... It, it very much is a Spike Lee joint. Well, and that's the thing, too, is I think... It, that fifth slot, uh, Spike Lee is going to be one of those fifth slot contenders, but everything else is very up for grabs in the fifth slot, because... Peter I mean, Farrelly. Yeah, Peter... Well, I don't think he's going to get it, but he, Here, he's a but, possible contender. But here's the thing. That transition is going to be really fascinating for people. Well, that's the shock everyone's having. It's like, Peter Farrelly made an Oscar-worthy contender movie? Yeah, I still don't <laughs> believe it. I assume that Ashton Kutcher is going to come out and be like, hey, you got punked. <laughs> or Jim, Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels to make a cameo somewhere in the background. It's oh, like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're driving the car. It's like really like emotional and sad. You got like the Beach Boys playing in the background. That would be the best cameo ever. And in ever. the background you go, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> That would be the best cameo if you see Viggo Mortensen and Marshall Ali driving down the road and then the giant shaggy van coming up <laughs> That would be great. <laughs> but um, you know what? I actually say that I think this may be a little hard to say, but Yorgos Lanthimos might get a director contender for uh, The Favorite. His, I mean, he's going to be a hard sell. Because his directing style is so specific and so weird. I feel like he would fall into the same trap that Spike Lee would fall into where it's neither of those people direct movies like anybody else. Yeah. And I think while that makes their films, I think, much, much better, I think it makes it much harder to give them an award. Yeah. But then everyone else, you know, again, it's um, uh, freaking Mariel Heller for Can You Forgive Me? I don't yeah. think that she's going to get nominated, but it's good. It's worthy to talk about. Oh, yeah. Adam McKay for Vice, I think. We'll see what happens. Um, he's, he's a very talented writer, and he's very talented with actors. He is an actually great director in that he works with actors really, really well, but he's not a quote-unquote best director. I mean, he was nominated for Big Short, so, I mean, we'll see. Um, Steve McQueen, I doubt he's going to get nominated this year, but, you know, it'd be nice to see that. And then everyone else, 
I don't really have any faith in any of these other. I mean, even Julia Schnabel was like, I would really love to see it get nominated. I doubt that's going to happen. Oh yeah. I mean, is there anyone else that you can see that you really think really would stand out from this list? Uh, I I like that still on this list is Ryan Coogler for Black Panther. <laughs> like, and I and I know that everyone and we've already harped on this, but it was just really funny to me to see like. Annapurna Pictures, like Fox Searchlight, like A24 Films, Marvel, Marvel. Studios. Like, <laughs> One of these things is not like, like the, the other. other. One of these things does not belong. Well, so then moving on from there, we're going to just wrap up with the last, the best picture nominee contenders. I think top choices for me are definitely going to be Star is Born, uh, First Man, Roma, Beale Street Could Talk, and Green Book. I think those five are definitely safe this, this round. I got it. I okay. I have one thing you know, specific. Yeah, you read off your list. I see you wanted okay. to read it. You read off your list. Tell me who you think are going to be your top best picture contenders. Because I'm still super cynical about Roma, mm-hmm. so I don't have it on this list. Okay. Because I'm very very cynical about it getting a nomination. Because like we said, because black Netflix, and white, Netflix, black and white, foreign, foreign. Yeah. Um, I think Star is Born. Just this is my opinion before seeing the movie. Just from reactions that I've heard, I think Star is Born is my pick to win Best Picture right now. Which is dangerous, because the front runner in October is never the winner in February, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm falling into the same trap that I fall into every year. That's why I'm only hesitant, but continue. Yeah, and I've got First Man, The Favorite, If Beale Street Could Talk, Black Klansman, Green Book, Vice, Widows, Beautiful Boy... And a movie that no one is talking about, and I don't think is going to be great, but I think is going to fill that extremely loud, incredibly close slot perfectly. Welcome to Marwin. I don't think that film has a chance in heck, personally. The thing is, it is so perfectly schmaltzy and feel goody. I, I like. I watch that trailer and I go, "This is going to be the movie that everyone gets mad that it gets nominated for Best Picture." Yeah, I, I really don't see that happening personally, but we'll see. I mean, I think Green Book's going to fill that schmaltzy crap. But like, that one where yeah. that's on the set's a light schmaltzy film. Yeah. So I think that one's already got that safe like, safety net there. But, yeah. Yeah, that's the problem where it's like, yeah, Welcome to Marlin. Also, it's based. It's a movie that's a fictional version of a documentary. Right. It's also kind of a mark against it personally. But I mean, most... oh, I'm not saying it's going to be a good movie. I think it looks interesting, but I'm not saying it's going to be good. I, I there's a part of me that believes that it will get nominated. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, you know, I agree with most of the other ones that you suggest on your list. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Vice, Widow, Stars Born. It really depends on, again, is it 10? Is it 8? Is it 9 nominees this yeah. year? Nobody knows. Yeah, it's I a, made my list a, 10 just because it's I, easiest. I, I, do, I, I do that to be safe every yeah. year or two. But, I mean, that's usually the safest bets because everything else I'm looking at here, again, there are films that are good, but they're more likely to get love in other categories. Right. You know, like we said, 8th Grade, Stan and Ollie, Mary Poppins, Buster Scruggs, At Attorney's Gate, Bohemian Rhapsody... You know, yeah. all films that could get attention, but are more likely just going to be, you know, also rams in this yeah. case. But yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, yeah, like you said, I think Star is Born is definitely going to be a big contender along with, you know, like I said, First Man Roma, if Beale Street could talk in Green Book. Those yeah. I think are going to be our five to watch or best picture. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, any other points you want to make with that stuff or... I so want to be right. I so want to come on this podcast in January and, like, welcome to Marwin gets, like, 14 nominations and I'm the only guy on the planet who called it. I, that's not going to happen. The movie's not going to be that good. I don't think so, at least. But, I would be amazed. I but would. if that happens, I will be so excited and the podcast will just be 60 minutes of me laughing. <laughs> it will also be, it will be another podcast recorded in a microphone that isn't plugged in that they don't tell me isn't plugged in. <laughs> 
Davy, we told Davy to be on for the for, for the recap of podcast, but <laughs> yeah, we just stuck him in a room and then played like a tape recording of Justin saying, "Mm-hmm, yeah, that makes mm. sense. You were right," and just put it on a loop. Wow, <laughs> I'm very stupid. I'm, I'm making notes of that for when that actually happens. <laughs> So you believe. You believe in the Marwin. <laughs> believe in the Marwin. That's this phrase. is going to be my thing this Oscar season. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, I think that's plenty of talk we've had today about <laughs> the Oscars. This was really fun. We actually got a lot of mileage out of this. Yeah. So, no, thank you, Davey. This is really great. Uh, can't wait to talk about this more because you seem to be just as passionate about this as I am in the Oscars. I've been doing this since 2010 when the Oscars broke my heart and gave the Social Network's Best Picture Award to the King's Speech. Yeah. I was out of the country and not watching movies when that happened, so I couldn't have any opinion one way or the other. Yeah, that, that was the first time that I ever watched the Oscars. I was 12 years old, and I was very angry. You were such a baby. I, yeah. I keep forgetting how young you actually are. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Davey, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet on Twitter at Davey Peppers. I, th- there are like links to other things that I do there. I do work for this site. I've written some articles for stuff. Yeah, you just find me there. I tell jokes sometimes. Yeah, which I believe... You know, again, the release schedule is bizarre with Screener Squad because of when movies come out and when they don't. Yeah. But I believe our review for Colette will also come out today. Ooh. So, so. so yeah, you should check out the Screener Squad review of Colette, which, spoiler alert, is a movie that I freaking love. Yeah, it's a very good film. So then you can find me here on the website, too. I write the notes for The Breakfast Pub and occasionally host it. Uh, it's really, really fun. I also do the Screener Squad, like we said. I am kind of the wrangler a little bit for this thing. He's the boss of the Screener Squad, and me, along with everyone else, are just the people that are just like, I want to see this movie, or Justin is just like, you want to see this movie. <laughs> well, that, in, the, in the case with the other movie that's probably going to come out this weekend, uh, Monsters of Men, Chris was the one who said, you're going to see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like... Okay, I, I didn't have any other choices otherwise. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you'll find that there, and then you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. So thank you very much, everybody, and uh, hey, it's going to be a fun Oscar year. I can't wait to actually start seeing these movies, because I really <laughs> want really to be an informed reviewer on this stuff, yeah. you know, so I can't, I'm really, really excited. So hey, stay tuned, and you will, uh, let's, let's go for gold. Let's see what happens this year. So see you, everybody. Bye. <laughs>